Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Adam Davison, who's the CEO of Trident Resources, um, who are a diverse mining royalty and streaming company provide investors with exposure to a mix of base and precious metals, bulk materials, excluding thermal coal and battery metals. Um, Adam came through the US Marine Corps um, and then went into the financial in, uh, industry or sector um, and worked for a number of equity funds before uh, joining Trident. So I'm gonna let Adam tell, tell us a little bit more about um, his background and his career before um, before he joined uh, Trident Resources, and then we can talk a little bit more detail about royalty and streaming. So I'd like to welcome Adam. How are you doing, Adam? I'm um, good. Thank you. No worries. Appreciate you um, taking the time to do this podcast. Um, appreciate if you can let the audience know a little bit about you, um, about your background, and generally speaking, just a, a brief overview from when you um, graduated um, and your journey through your career to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe I'll work backwards. So I, I joined uh, on uh, joint Trident at sort of the tail end of last year. Prior to that, I, I'd spent just over five years with a group called Resource Capital Funds, which is a, a mining-focused private equity fund. Uh, worked both in, in uh, the U.S. and Australia with RCF. Um, and then prior to that, was with BMO Capital Markets on the um, metals and mining on the equity research side. Um, and then before that was in strategic planning with Orica Mining Services, which is the Aussie listed yep. um, mining services company. I uh, was specifically on their North America uh, side. Uh, so yeah, here in Denver. Um, and then I've, worth mentioning, I've got, I've got my colleague down in Perth, uh, Tyron Reese. Um, so uh, Ty's background, he's, he's a metallurgist by trade, um, worked for commissioning at uh, Sandfires de Grusa and, and at uh, Boddington's expansion um, prior to doing his master's in finance and CFA and um, subsequently worked for, for RCF as well for sort of close to six years, I think, um, before making the move uh, at sort of the same time as I. Uh, and then with regards to other people involved, we've got three advisory groups, so all sort of resource-focused groups, Tamasis Partners out of the UK. Um, we've got uh, Azure Capital and Ashanti Capital, both out of Australia, that sort of support us out of Australasia. Uh, and worth flagging, all three groups are, are sort of major shareholders as well. Um, and then our board, we have James Kelly is the chairman. Uh, James started with Extrata, later Glencore, uh, and then was one of the founding team of Greenstone, which is a, a mining fund based in the UK. Uh, we've got Mark Potter, who's currently the CIO of Metal Tiger, which is an AIM-listed uh, mining investment vehicle. Uh, but pertinent for us prior to that, he was the CIO of Anglo Pacific, which is the other um, mining royalty company listed in the UK. Uh, and then we've got Al Gouli, which was just recently appointed a couple of weeks ago. And Al is uh, a lawyer that uh, specializes in the resources sector. And he's the managing partner of Faskin's uh, London office. And Faskin's is a, a large international law firm. So we're really happy with the, the team that we've put together. 
Yeah. Uh, before we go on to and speak about, obviously, mining, uh, royalty and streaming, can you tell us a little bit about Trident Resources and what you what your, I suppose, main focus is? Yeah, sure. So uh, Tr Trident was originally set up as a shell uh, on the LSE. Uh, I think there's uh, just a touch under 5 million US uh, at the time it was listed in, in 2018. And originally the intent was to vend an asset into the vehicle. Um, ultimately, that didn't come to fruition. And it was uh, sort of around the middle of last year uh, that the advisors that set up the vehicle began exploring uh, the royalty approach in more detail, in particular, diversified royalty strategy, which we'll, which we'll talk to later. Um, and that, that sort of intersected with um, with my and Ty's interest in the space as well. So it's sort of serendipitous. We, we crossed paths around the same time and the conversation sort of grew from there until, um, you know, until we formally got involved and, and made the move in October last year. And then really since that time, um, since joining Trident, it's been a matter of a well, twofold approach, really getting the vehicle structured and ready such that it could execute on the strategy. And part of that is the, um, the relisting on aim that we're undergoing right now. So we'll be, we'll be back on the, uh, back on the boards and tradable on June 2nd. Um, so that that's been a, a fair uh, chunk of work. Uh, and then probably more importantly, cooking up the pipeline of transactions. The, the first deal uh, was announced March 25th, uh, and that coincided with the announcement of the new royalty strategy. Uh, so really, it's been progressing transactions such that we've got a pipeline of stuff we can execute on uh, post-relisting. Okay. Okay. Um, so obviously, Trident is a mining royalty and streaming uh, company. Um, so first off, what is what is a royalty um, and how is it used in mining finance? Yeah, sure. So mining royalties are effectively, um, you pay an upfront cash consideration to the mining company and in exchange you get a percentage uh, of their revenue from that operation or that asset. And there can be a million variations on how that's actually executed, but at a high level that it's, it's as basic as that. Um, so as you'd expect that there's existing royalties that can yeah, you can go out there and acquire and then there's uh, sort of endless opportunities to write new royalties. Um, but effectively, the royalty, the, the reason investors like it is it gives you direct exposure to that uh, commodity and the underlying asset. So, you know, if the, if the commodity ticks up 10%, then the company's revenues increase 10%, uh, and that flows straight through to the royalty. Um, so you're not exposed to, because it is top-line exposure, you're not, you're not exposed to operating costs or uh, capital costs of the asset. So yeah, many investors, we've all probably done it. You invest in a mining company, you really like the asset, the commodity's performing well, the asset performs well, but you're not seeing as much flow through to the equity um, share price as you, as you expect. Uh, and that's because between the top line and the bottom line, you know, capital gets chewed up, you know, through, you know, extra drill campaigns, plant expansions, all that sort of stuff, um, or M&A uh, in many cases. Uh, so shareholders can be disappointed. Whereas a royalty sitting at the top line, you get that direct exposure without any of those sort of diluting uh, impacts. Uh, that said, you still get the upside of the asset. So if they do drill and then they expand the resource, the reserve, yeah, and that extends the mine life, that rolls to the benefit because obviously that just extends the life of that stream of revenues. And similar, if they expand the plant, they're using equities money effectively to do that. Um, but you get the benefit of increased throughput. So there are a number of reasons why... Um, why investors like royalties and, and like to get their exposure to the mining sector via royalties. Uh, and then the sort of natural question is, well, why would the miners accept that if it's a non-dilutive piece of financing that, that sort of sits over their property in perpetuity? 
Um, certainly that wouldn't be appealing. Um, but the reality is in a market like we're in right now is probably no better example that in many cases they either can't raise equity um, or, or prices are depressed and they don't want to. So a royalty is obviously a, a non-dilutive source of financing. So they're, they're open to, um, to that. Uh, and it's, it's cyclical. I mean, obviously there are certain markets where, you know, equity is sort of throwing dollars at the mining companies, in which case royalties would be out of favor. But, you know, as we know, as we know, these things sort of ebb and flow. So they're, they're, it, royalties tend to have their day, um, you know, as they come and go. Uh, the other piece is relative to debt, it's covenant light. So rather than the mining company going out there and getting a piece of debt that, you know, has heavy covenants um, and a fixed payment schedule, uh, a royalty, you know, the, the cash comes into the mining company and then it doesn't start going out until the asset's operating and it's paying and all that sort of thing. So, so there are a number of benefits on both sides, which is why it, it, it does have a place in the mining finance spectrum. You know, I think you're seeing it more and more. It, they really grew out of North America. You'd see a, a you know, large precious project get built where there would be a debt component, an equity component, and then a royalty or a stream. Uh, less so in Australia, although that's sort of changing over the last sort of five to eight years where now you're seeing it become uh, uh, becoming a more standard part of the, of the mining finance landscape. Yeah. Um, so what's the main variables in terms of um, how a royalty is made up um, and who decides the royalties? Obviously, it's, I'll take it to a number of different parties. Yeah, so there, there are a few things you consider, obviously, when you're, when you're putting a royalty on the table, um, you know, as an option for a, a mining company to to, um, to find as a source of funding. Yeah, obviously, the, the key variables is the percentage because, I mean, effectively, it, it is just a, a discounted cash flow model. You're, you're modeling out the life of the mine, uh, what you expect those cash flows to be, um, and then discounting it back to today and, and ensuring that it meets your return hurdles. And there are a number of factors that play into that, you know, where the mine is located. You know, is the operator an experienced team with multiple assets or is this a junior miner with, you know, this being their first asset? Um, you know, is the, the legal framework in that particular jurisdiction conducive to royalties? You know, and then some situations, um, the royalty is pegged to the tenement and secured to the tenement. So even if the operator goes into administration, the royalty survives and continues on. Uh, if the property is picked up by a new, a new company, you know, the royalty turns right back on again, whereas others, they're purely contractual agreements between the royalty company uh, and the mining company. Um, so if they enter into administration, the, the royalty is effectively wiped out. So there's a number of these factors that have to go into how we'd be valuing them, um, you know, not least of which obviously the commodity and that sort of thing. Um, but all these sort of other factors that I mentioned as well uh, play a role into how, how, you, um, how you view sort of a royalty coming together. Yeah. Um, so why would investors prefer exposure to mining assets um, and commodities via royalties versus equity? Yeah, it really is some of those factors I just mentioned. I think most investors, um, you know, that they've invested in mining companies and, and mining companies have this sort of notorious reputation of finding ways to destroy value. So, you know, <laughs> even if the commodity is performing well and the assets performing well, they go off and do M&A or you know, ill-advised uh, expansions and that sort of thing. So mining royalties sort of cut that risk away, um, but still give you exposure to to the direct project. So, um, yeah, that, that has a certain appeal to investors, uh, particularly generous generalists and retail investors that say they want to park 3% of their portfolio, um, in, uh, in, you know, mining commodity exposure. Um, 
yeah, then it becomes a matter of, well, do I, do I invest in one of the majors and get sort of diversified exposure in that way, but I'm really not going to outperform the sector at all. Or do I pick a junior, but then that's incredibly challenging and opaque on which junior is going to outperform, you know, whereas a royalty portfolio, using a really basic example, you can, you can invest in a mining junior that's producing a hundred thousand ounces uh, of gold per year, uh, but they're completely exposed to that single asset risk. So a wall failure, for example, could, could sink a company um, versus a mining royalty company that has an attributable hundred thousand ounces of gold production, but it's spread across seven royalties in four different jurisdictions. And you, know, you really mitigate a lot of those risks on top of getting, you know, that security structure that I mentioned and the top line exposure rather than bottom line. So, and that's why you see royalty companies valued on such high uh, multiples. You know, in many cases, the, the big boys are sort of 1.5 times in AV, uh, if, if plus 1.5 is at at times, you know, sort of 2.5. So it it sort of falls within that range and it's pretty linear with regards to your size. So, you know, the the more royalties and the more cash flow you have, um, you sort of march up that, uh, that sort of valuation curve. Mm. Um, Obviously there's other mining royalty companies out there. Um, What makes uh, Trident different? Um, And what's your, I suppose, business strategy in your plan? Yeah. um, So that's a good question because I think, um, Royalties and, and streams have, have been a part of the mining landscape for some time. That said, I think if you were wind the clock back 10 or 15 years and looked at the, the space of listed mining royalty companies, you'd, you'd be surprised. You'd be limited to sort of three or four options versus today. You know, it would be sort of 15, 16, uh, and seemingly more sort of all the time. So, you know, it's a long way of saying that although it's definitely not an industry that is in its infancy, you probably characterize it as being in, in its adolescence. So there are still a lot of opportunities and sort of gaps in the sector, uh, we believe. Um, and one of those gaps, and probably the most prominent, is just the fact that the vast majority of the listed mining royalty sector um, is either predominantly or exclusively precious metals focused. Uh, and that really is because the genesis of these came out of North America financing precious metals mines. Um, so there's a very limited number of, of um of royalty codes that pursue royalties outside of the precious space, despite the fact that, you know, a dollar from a copper royalty is the same as a dollar from a gold royalty. It, it's a really underdeveloped space. And when you looked at the, at the groups that are out there, um, yeah, they're, they range from being sort of reasonably diverse to, to single asset um, companies. So I suppose the niche that Trident saw was because there is this appeal of mining royalties, particularly to generalists and retail investors, they'd like that as a way to get sort of protected exposure with upside to the mining sector. Um, you know, the, the natural next question is, okay, you've sold me on the royalty model. So now how do I get my exposure to mining commodities? And at the moment you'd sort of say, well, you probably struggle to get that. You could certainly get it for precious and you sort of have your, your pick in that regard. But, um, but you, you struggle to get a broad representative exposure to the breadth of mining commodities. So our intent is over time to build a portfolio that's probably reflective by commodity breakdown. So circa a third precious metals, uh, third base metals, and then a third bulks and batteries and industrial metals and, and sort of everything else, which depending what lens you're looking through, whether it's sort of global revenues or global market caps, that, that's roughly give or take the, the breakdown of the mining sector. So in that regard, it's almost a, an index fund like um, allocation, but obviously from a royalty approach and with these sort of upsides that we talked about. Mm. And are you still in acquisition mode and then how are you actually sourcing uh, your royalty deals? 
Yeah, no, we're, we're absolutely in, in, in acquisition mode. So part of our uh, relisting, we're also doing a concurrent fundraising. Uh, so we hope to announce something, you know, fingers crossed either this week or next week. Um, but, uh, but we've gotten a very good market response despite everything that's, that's happened and, and has probably given us a little heartburn over the last couple of months. Uh, the, the story seems to resonate with people. Um, you know, and then I think the strategy, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. We're, we're all excited about it and we've assembled a good team and a good pipeline of opportunities. And so I think that's being recognized. So yeah, we will be doing a raise, um, you know, concurrent with the relisting. So as of June 2nd, we'll be, we'll be on the boards and aim will be tradable. We'll have cash to deploy. And I think, you know, despite everything that's going on, probably no better time to deploy it. You take base metals, for example, they've sort of been kicked in the teeth in this market. Mm-hmm. But if you can, if you can write a royalty uh, over a base metals mine, um, that's got a 15 year mine life and is sort of washing its face in this market. I think that's an incredibly attractive opportunity. Um, so yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be certainly in acquisition mode and we've got a number of conversations ongoing, um, to deploy that, that capital that we'll be raising. Um, and in terms of sourcing royalties, yeah, as I mentioned, there's sort of two buckets. There's the existing royalties that are out there that can be consolidated. In fact, that was our first transaction. Um, it falls into that category. And then there's obviously the ability to write new royalties, um, so new royalties is relatively straightforward. We, we sort of tap into our networks. The advisor network in particular is hugely beneficial. So we've got a lot of opportunities that come across our desk in that regard. Um, and then in the existing royalty space, you know, one thing I'd flag is that when you look at the listed public uh, mining royalty sector, all the, all the companies with the exception of one are listed on their primary exchange being the TSX. Um, yeah, and so quite naturally, when you overlay the royalties, you know, very heavy concentration in North America and sort of trickles into Central South America. And then there are certainly royalties sort of elsewhere across the globe, but it becomes a bit more of a smattering there. So I think we see geographic opportunities as well. Places like Australia, obviously, a prolific mining jurisdiction, um, hundreds of royalties in existence, but no publicly listed mining royalty companies at the moment. So we see some pretty clear targets of opportunity, um, both jurisdictionally um, and commodity-wise to go out there and, and try to aggregate some of these. Because if you can buy a royalty... Um, you know, at a 0.6 NAV as a single asset, you know, risk that's being held by an existing mining company, for example, and you get that into a portfolio, um, which over time is, you know, valued at sort of one times NAV. And then as you grow, the portfolio increases from there. You know, not only is that a, a, an accretive transaction just on a standalone basis, but by the very function of getting it into a, a portfolio that's more highly valued to get this sort of extra kicker in terms of returns. Um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of opportunity to go out there and consolidate sort of existing royalties, particularly in the non, non-precious space, because they, they, at the moment, really don't have a natural home. Um, and obviously the, at the um, time of this recording, we're, we're in lockdown and going through this uh, uh, coronavirus. How has, how has that impacted your business and, and obviously going out and searching for, for these deals? Um, and how do you see it playing out once you sort of come out of this lockdown? Yeah, so it's certainly obvious the COVID situation has presented some challenges. Um, well, and conversely, sort of both good and bad. I'm not sure we'd be able to have gotten everything we we uh, everything we've done in the last couple months done if we were constantly on the road. Yeah, because uh, it's been a, a handful of work, both in progressing some of these transactions, and then yeah, it's a huge chunk of work to to uh, file for readmission onto AIM. Um, so thankfully the bulk of that's behind us. So upon readmission, we're sort of straight back into deal mode and trying to execute on some of these pipeline opportunities. Uh, so 
it's going to be a, a bit of a challenge with the sense that you can't travel to site as easily. Um, you know, so what we'll have to navigate that in some situations, you know, if it's a large, um, if it's a large asset that's been operating for a number of years and the royalties paying, I think that becomes a little less of a concern in some cases, existing royalties don't have visitation rights, uh, in any case. So you, you have to sort of get comfort at the asset level, um, without that. Um, but certainly on new royalties, you want to, you want to get to site and spend time with management. Um, so it, it's got its challenges. I don't think anything that's going to delay us deploying capital, um, you know, too impactfully in any case. Um, as I said, we, we've got quite a few uh, transactions that are underway that uh, the assets are sort of well known to us. And in some cases, we've been able to visit prior to lockdown. So um, as long as this doesn't sort of extend for another six months, um, I think it doesn't present too much of a problem for us. Yeah. And do you see sort of down valuations on some assets due to this coronavirus? Yeah, we certainly do. I mean, uh, there are some companies that, um, you know, at the moment they're uh, now they're either just barely keeping their heads above water, despite, you know, it could be a, a pretty solid underlying asset, you know, using that, that base metals or polymetallic mine as an example, where, you know, if a leadzing silver mine is struggling on the base metals front, um, you know, silver starting to rebound, obviously, but, um, you know, but, but across the board, they're sort of challenged. Um, but if you've got an asset that's sound and is breaking, uh, breaking even in this kind of market um, to be able to get a royalty in place, you know, an on a long life asset. Um, yeah, that, that's an incredibly opportune moment. So yeah, we see it as a good time to deploy capital and, and, you know, I think it's certainly going to be a buyer's market for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, probably less so in gold, but, uh, but it is, you know, it's mining, it's cyclical. So, you know, if, if not gold right now, then, then base metals and bulks and then gold will have its day as well. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're conscious of sort of the cyclicality and we'll deploy capital in a smart way. Yeah. Um, and sort of wrapping up as a conclusion, what's the outlook for Trident uh, Resources um, and uh, post-relisting as well on the AIM on 2nd of June? Yes, I mean from there, it's really that's kind of the exciting period. It's time to get to get down to business and um, start deploying capital. Because I think one of the exciting things from a royalty company that we didn't touch on is because it's a portfolio of cash flowing assets, you can go to debt providers um, and get leverage against that kind of portfolio. Um, and because it's a diversified portfolio, it's typically on much better terms than a, than a miner could get, uh, you know, unless they're one of those sort of bigger boys that, that have a, a large diverse portfolio. Um, so really, you know, if we're going to do this equity raise and deploy that capital, you know, with a, an initial priority on sort of cash flowing or near cash flowing assets, because that does unlock leverage. Uh, and, and this is where Mark Potter's experience at Anglopac uh, has been hugely instrumental because obviously he was involved in, in managing their debt exposure. Um, but if we can deploy this capital, build up the portfolio, and then you can go out there and get leveraged against it to make subsequent acquisitions uh, without needing to raise equity and dilute your existing shareholders. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just a boon for the, um, the share price. And so, you know, we've started having some of the early discussions on what a, a revolver facility would look like so that you can draw down on it to make acquisitions. And then, you know, these accordion type facilities that you can then pay down. And uh, when you make your next acquisition, you, you draw on it again. Uh, so the whole time, it's obviously to the benefit of the, of the shareholders to be able to get that in place. So really for the first step though, is, uh, you know, post relisting and, and fundraising um, to go out there and deploy the capital so that we have that portfolio to get uh, leverage against and, and that unlocks things like dividends down the track. Okay. Um, really appreciate your time, Adam, and uh, sharing obviously um, your experiences and telling us about Trident Resources. If anyone wants to sort of reach out to you and ask you 
any questions, how can I go about doing that? And also, are you on any social media platforms? Yeah, sure. So obviously through the webpage is easy. They can email me directly at ad at tridentresources.co.uk. We'll be changing our name soon to Trident Royalties, but but everything will flow through. Yeah. Um, and then we're obviously on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and everything else. So, you know, we, we've got uh, upcoming speaking engagements as well and, and panels and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I'd encourage people to, to start following us on those platforms. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll have some good news to continue to deliver here over the next few months. Yeah, no, great. And look forward to that as well. And I'm sure the... Uh, our audience as well will be having a, having a look out as well. So um, really appreciate your time, Adam. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Stay safe, obviously, uh, amongst this uh, challenging times. Um, and to the audience out there, hope you're all staying safe. Um, and until next time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining!